0: Okay, dateline 9th of June 2014. Grant, come out from under that blanket. Stop sulking.
1: No, 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 I'm not.
0: Max didn't really forget your name.
1: As if it wasn't bad enough that I didn't get to fly this weekend. On the way home, I heard that.
0: Oh, cheer up, buddy. You'll be okay. I'm sure Max didn't mean it.
1: Oh, he forgot me. Five years working, (laughs)
0: slaving away, producing content. He forgot me. (laughs) Look, there's nothing to worry about, mate. Look, let's just hark back to episode 203 where he talked about his favourite Australian. Can you remember what he said there?
1: And finally, who was our favourite Australian? And the winner was... Well, my favourite was Anthony Simmons.
0: Oh, dear.
1: See what I mean? (sighs) I need more beer.
0: (laughs) Come on, bring your beer over with you. We've done 260-odd Oz -OZ desks with beer. We can't change normality. Let's get on with the news.
1: Okay, I'll come back, show you, Mr. Flight,
0: if that's your real name.
1: (laughs) Okay, where were we? Dateline,
0: 9th of June, 2014. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to the Australia Desk for episode 302. Well, Grant, hey, let's... let's Come on, cheer up, mate. Let's talk about new airports. New airports always make you happy.
1: Well, I... Let's start off with our favourite one up in Toowoomba, the new one, Wellcamp Airport. It's going to have airspace issues, says Kassa. Oh, my God. Like, we couldn't see that one coming.
0: Well, well, you know, it's funny now. Toowoomba, of course, uh, just near, well, not that far away from Brisbane. And I think we reported last year a couple of times, Grant, on this airport that's being built by a private company up there. And uh, they're looking at bringing all sorts of, uh, you know, operations in there to, uh, you know, bring lots of business to that airport. So that should be a wonderful thing. Now, uh, OK, it is not too far from the Oakey Army Air Range, and uh, there was some talk at the time that that might cause some issues, but uh, surely it's nothing that the Civil Aviation Safety Authority couldn't work around given enough time?
1: No, well, that's why they're just going to declare it a Class GS base anyhow, and the rest of us are going, well, the difference is. Uh, but it looks like they may have to take a couple of uh, military-restricted spots away. But, uh, yeah, back in January 29th, um, I believe while you were uh, convalescing from your surgery, uh, that was when uh, ATC Ben, Damien and Jonesy and I were chatting about this, and, uh, yeah, uh, Damien living in that area was able to give us some pretty good reports on it. Uh, But, you know, yeah... (laughs) <laughs> what a shock airspace issues but hey no new airport should go unpunished I mean look what's happening with Badgerys Creek it's going to take at least a year just for them to sort out who does what
0: Yeah we'll we talk about Badgerys Creek uh, just briefly in a minute Grant but uh, it's interesting here that they're looking for that Wellcamp airport it's, uh, they're saying the runway will be capable of handling Boeing 747 aircraft so that's quite a sizable runway there and uh, John Wagner who's the chairman of the family run company that, uh, that's basically setting up this airport and Grant they're putting in $100 million at least to set it up uh, he's saying the airport would be used mainly for freight. I guess that's going to cause probably some issues for some some people around there who are not going to be happy about the idea of having a large aircraft like that coming. I think it'd be wonderful, Grant. I might move up there myself.
1: Well, you know, there's going to be circuits as well. You could be told to expedite your approach due to a 747 freighter on final. I don't think you're ever going to get a chance to bring your Cessna into Sydney or Melbourne International for that matter. They have have, uh, certain bans on aircraft that small, (laughs) even if you do have a big fat credit
0: card. Yes, well I don't have I don't have A, a Cessna and B, a, a big fat credit card, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, that's true mate and I guess if you had one you wouldn't have the other anyhow but you just don't have either, just like me so <laughs> I guess there's no chance that we'll ever be going into Badgerys Creek in anything other than an airliner.
0: Yeah, that's right now Badger's Creek of course, the site of the uh, proposed second airport uh, there in Sydney and uh, you know the report here that's in uh, australianaviation.com.au says that uh, the Sydney airport talks may take up to a year now I believe that the Sydney Airports Corporation as part of their contract grant has uh, up to 12 months to make a decision. They get first right of refusal, I believe, over whether or not they want to operate that airport or whether they prefer somebody else did it.
1: Yeah, that's right. And indications are they're probably going to try and exercise that right. So they may be trying to figure out how they can do it. Um, if they do, that's got a few of us annoyed because, hey, the, the whole point of having two airports is that you actually get competition. As uh, the UK discovered in the London area, when all the airports were owned by the one uh, operator, there was no real incentive to do anything. And it wasn't until they split them up and got them a, a couple of them over to another operator that we started to see real competition coming in.
0: Yeah. So uh, that'll create lots of talking space over the the coming 12 months. Uh, Maxwell. Wilton, the uh, the boss of the Sydney Airports Corporation, well, I guess he's got all sorts of vested interests in making sure that uh, the second airport doesn't happen, but uh, if it's a reality, you know, it'll be interesting to see um, whether or not he changes his tune. I have a sneaking suspicion he might if he thought there was profit in it for his company, but uh, there we go. Now Grant, we mentioned our good friends at the Civil Aviation Safety Authority just before and uh, there's a report that's come out to the federal government talking about uh, the possibility of uh, cultural and structural changes and uh, the need for them within that organisation.
1: No, certainly has mate, uh, there's there's been quite an in-depth assessment done by a, a reasonably high-level group. Their expertise in aviation and regulations from around the world have come and had a very pretty pretty heavy look at it, and they've had a lot of submissions from within the industry, uh, some of which didn't pull any punches, in and what they said about CASA. And what's basically come down is that uh, CASA really does need to uh, change its approach. It's interesting that the CASA press release about, the re- about this coming out really made it sound like, oh, there's just been a couple of areas that people have looked at and maybe we need to tweak a few things. Whereas everyone else who reads this goes, yeah, this is going to make a lot of change to uh, how CASA operates. So either uh, that means no hope for change at CASA once again, or uh, somebody's got some really good spin doctors and I think a few politicians may want to hire them.
0: Yes, true. Now, this uh, this report compared the Civil Aviation Authority to other author- comparable authorities such as uh, those at Transport Canada and over there at the Civil Aviation Authority in New Zealand. And uh, this report recommends that CASA should adopt, quote unquote, a client-orientated output model, <laughs> uh, organisational structure, similar to that used by the New Zealand Civil Aviation Authority. Well, gee whiz, I hope it doesn't include some of the uh, fees that they charge over there in New Zealand. I mean, we, we pay enough here as it is.
1: Yeah, I know, I know. The, some of the Kiwi user fees uh, for weather and on uh, and medicals have uh, raised a few eyebrows. I mean, the Kiwi bureaucracy are saying that they haven't put the prices up for ages, they need to do something to um, address it, but they haven't looked at the option of uh, actually stepping back and saying, well, you don't need it in a light aircraft as is being looked at here. But you know, it's it's also the whole adversarial nature of its uh, relations with industry. And what we're finding is that uh, while many parts of CASA are really working hard to uh, make things right between uh, industry and the regulator. There's other parts where it can get quite uh, confrontational. There have been stories of um, a bit of power being thrown around. And basically, CASA can come up and say, hey, we don't think you're safe. Uh, you need to show that you are safe. And meanwhile, you can't either fly the aircraft or run your business uh, until you show it. And as everyone knows, with most small businesses, you take them out of the air for a few days and they go under. So, uh There's been a lot of stories of that, and uh, I think it's. there's been a lot of the uh, CASA's regulatory reform program. I mean, some areas of it have been going on for 20 years and still haven't really shown a result. Other areas have been going for 10 years and and finally showing results. A lot of people are kind of uh, over it, shall we say. Uh, given that they've been trying to reform regulations, but they just keep getting bogged down.
0: Federal Transport Minister Warren Truss uh, was in the media this week talking about this report and mentioned that the uh, the current head of CASA, that's uh, John McCormick, who's uh, not seeking to renew his contract, which expires in, in a few weeks from now, uh, he says that uh, the creation of two new board positions uh, in the wake of him leaving would herald, quote-unquote, a new start for CASA. He says we will deal with the recommendations in the context of the personnel who will be taking up positions over the next few months. And uh, not surprisingly, I guess... CASA declined to comment on the report.
1: Well, I mean, it's it's just a report until the government actually takes action on it. And uh, it depends on who they get to replace it. But the report did recommend that the new director of aviation safety, the head of CASA, should actually be somebody who is from a management and specifically a change management environment rather than aviation. So they, they, they're recommending that someone comes through and does a complete clean out and restructure everything. And get everyone changed around rather than have a pilot or aviation background person come in so interesting we'll see what that one leads to
0: yeah well actually wouldn't it be good if you could find someone who had both yeah, well, that would be ideal, but very
1: hard to find.
0: Okay, well, that's the pick of the stories uh, this week. A very long list, actually, of aviation news this week, but uh, time's got the better of us, Grant, and we need to do some uh, shameless self-promotion. We finally put out another episode of our own show, Playing Crazy Down Under, and uh, Grant, that's episode 119, and we just wanted to mention it here because it deals exclusively with the Royal Australian Air Force's uh, soon-to-becoming integration of the uh, F-35 Lightning II. That's
1: right, mate. We've got lots of great chats with uh, Lockheed Martin personnel in including uh, Billy Flynn, uh, one of the test pilots. Uh, We're joined by uh, Andrew McLaughlin, who gives us a lot of in-depth views into the F-35 program here in Australia. And uh, I spent about an hour chatting with uh, Air Vice Marshal Kim Osley, aka COS, who uh, has been in charge of setting up the program that's going to integrate the F-35 into the RAF. And we talk about everything from uh, extending the tarmac through to uh, force structure, training, and the new computer systems that are gonna be required to run the F-35 on the ground. And what can I say, mate? There's something about Alice.
0: You asked something about Alice. i got to say, buddy, that was um, an outstanding interview. One of the best you've done. Just a really great interview. So, folks, uh, I'm not just saying it just to pump up our own tyres, but the point of this podcast is not about whether or not we should choose the aircraft. That decision, as we reported on this segment recently, has been made. So now the question becomes, how do we integrate that aircraft uh, into our force structure? And, uh, you know, it's uh, so there's a lot more to it than, than even we thought. And, of course, so we don't put our podcast out as often as uh, we do here on The Airplane Geeks, just because we're so busy. Making content, even though you know Max keeps forgetting who some of the co hosts are. But look, Grant, he, hasn't, he hasn't forgotten me, and that's the main thing.
1: Yeah, your turn is next, mate. I reckon, I reckon you're the next one to go. I mean, you know, it's Rob Mark all over again. Who, what, huh?
0: Deary, deary me. Well, that's everything we have for you on this week's Australia disc Until next week, I'm Steve isher and that's uh, it's, yeah, what's your name again? S- Sorry,
1: I- S- oh, right now, sulking, pouting pilot syndrome is in house. Give me a beer. That was Grant McCarran. Cheers, folks.